welcome to Duffin episode number 67 quite possibly the last episode of this year or maybe more who knows um <laughs> are you trying to tell me something here dad <laughs> <I> don't know <laughs> i mean we 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 are really good at keeping up with the uh, schedule as as uh, as our uh, dedicated audience members plural knows you know like we are, we are, we are we we like clockwork like a disabled clock <laughs> sometimes we 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 do release episodes so uh this is episode number 67 this time we went all the way to latin america is, is it still oh, latin, latin america, america. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah ah okay apologies i mean my my geography knowledge is like negative uh, 70 or something <laughs> um so Welcome to the episode. Uh, so my name is Vijay and I'm from um, I'm currently in Holland and um, we have our um, our co-host from the same time zone <laughs> Mr. Ray. Yeah, amazing then, amazing introduction Vijay. Keep going. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, I'll continue so we can fill up the 30 minutes of bullshit. Um okay, I'll stop. So um first of all, um all the way from Uruguay. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, exactly. Juan. Juan Juan Juan, Juan, okay, yeah, Juan, 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 the Juan and the only. <laughs> Thank Juan you, only, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Juan, Juan and only. <laughs> Never heard it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people pr- pronounce it like like one, like the number. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, um, welcome to the episode, Juan. Uh, maybe a quick uh, introduction um, is due for our audience. So what is happening in Latin America? I mean, Latin American closure world, and then we're getting to closure. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it really Spanish in Uruguay? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, in Latin okay. America, it's it's like mostly Spanish, but Brazil that they are speaking Portuguese. But yeah, Argentina, mm-hmm. Peru, Chile, and the rest, and everybody speaks Spanish here. Is it Spanish Spanish or is it different Spanish? Ah, it's a little different uh, from from Spain, but it's Spanish. Yeah. Ah, okay because i heard that uh, I, i know a couple of colleagues who are working in spain and then they keep on telling me the argentinian spanish is different enough yeah they, than mexican spanish and then the movie names and all the titles look completely weird in different places oh yeah that for sure but i mean we we can like for sure understand each other <laughs> but we can recognize from from uh where is someone just probably by, by the accent and all that stuff ah okay Yeah, some of the nice. dialect stuff, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, if I remember rightly, the words for things like car are different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, a bunch of, of, of words are different, but uh, we already know, I mean, probably from the movies and all that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. we can understand each other, yeah. In Mexico, it's different. You just all speak English, in... yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like in India. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> just let's just switch to English, you know. <laughs> Why bother with other languages? <laughs> nice. So, um a quick introduction about yourself, uh, Juan. Um what do you do? How did you get into clothing? Maybe you should give his, your full history. name Juan first, you know, because oh, yeah. uh, okay. you know, yeah. is going to totally butcher it, so maybe you should do it yourself, you know. Okay. <laughs> that's my that's my super power. Yeah, okay, so my my, my, <laughs> my last name is Moneta, uh, but uh, my full name is Juan Pedro Moneta Sanchez. So, ah, okay. Juan, two names, Juan Pedro uh, two, Moneta, 
Moneta. Yeah. Moneta means like like coin in Italian. Oh, mm. I thought it's like money. Uh, yeah, like the money man. <laughs> nice. Well, he he has a history well, on the blockchain, so we'll come to this. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's written in the now stars. Now we know why you're know? in this one now. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this is like nominal. What is it called? What's it called? Nominal nominative determinism. You know? <laughs> nah, yeah. Like, Eric Norman is okay, like. Let, yeah. Can you can you can you say your name again? The whole yeah. whole one. The whole one is Juan Pedro Moneta Sanchez. That is how we pronounce it Juan. here. Juan Pedro Moneta Sanchez. Yeah, great. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Habla español. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's 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 enough Spanish from me. <laughs> I think. Muy 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 bien. Great. <laughs> no, it's not bien. It's bien. <laughs> wow. It's, it's muy bien. Uh, muy bien, muy bien. But yeah. that, that depends on the country, of course. And no, yeah. no. I mean, uh, I'm going. I'm going local, VJ. Come on. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you should really be pronounced. You should be pronounced Bihe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that the worst part is the in, in Dutch IJ is uh, vowel. No, my name is V I J A Y, so it's a VJ. Oh, yeah. But IJ is I in Dutch. Oh yeah. So they get super confused. It starts with fee and then there is nothing else to pronounce because everything else is vowels for them. Well, isn't so it, it like sounds a, like vowel sound? Isn't it like a pirate sound? Like vi I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Actually, I had to tell somebody how how I say my name and then they they ended up typing it using a call center or something. Oh, and then right. they type something like w i e a a y a or something. <laughs> And then I was that guy for at least one and a half year on, and, and they kept to give me some email address, and they gave me that email address with that thing. So yeah, names. Oh, no. Anyway, well, it's one of the hardest problems in computing. So why should human nature yeah. be different? No, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Juan, yeah, um, it's time for the again for the introduction. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to the episode. <laughs> Okay, we have so... only scratched the surface of your name so far. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you got to get the hard stuff out of the way first, you know. So yes. <laughs> uh, so well, uh, I, I don't know where to start, but uh, I've been programming like my entire life. Uh, I, I'm 37 now, and uh, I started, I think, when I have like around, when I was around like seven years old, like playing around with wow. Spectrum-like computers and BASIC and like. At that age, I remember, like, basically, like, uh, I had a book and I was, like, just copying programs there and running there, like, mm. gra mostly graphical pro programs. So, like, and, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I started, like, working when I was, like, 17 or something like that and uh, was doing, like, uh, C and C++ at that time. Mm -hmm. And I moved into Java after that. And... Uh, uh, working for like a lot of different projects and uh, and uh, my road to closure is like I, I discovered like um, in 2004 I think something around that I discovered like common lisp and um, okay. yeah and Emacs lisp also and scheme and I got uh, fascinated by the, those languages and I started like I think around 2004 so using common lisp for uh, all my hobby project and everything I could do in, in that. And I was using mm -hmm. like Java professionally. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I was always trying to like to use Common Lisp on my uh, daily jobs. 
but uh, it was always super risky because uh, uh, I don't know, like like finding libraries. And at that time, I was working a lot with uh, uh, SOAP web services and all that stuff, and it was hard to find like uh, libraries for for that. If you are using like cryptography on top of that or all that stuff, it like it was uh, super risky. So yeah, yeah, I kept like working in Java, I think, uh, until 2010 that I discovered Clojure, mm-hmm. and it was great. Uh, at first, it, it wasn't because it was like well, it's a list, but it's uh, all this Java thing in the middle, and and, <laughs> and I didn't like yeah, that yeah. because yeah. Uh, but then I figured out that it, it was pretty cool, and and uh, I was able to use it for my daily job. So uh, I have been like working professionally in Clojure, I think, so around that time. So almost ten years now. Oh, mm. wow! Nice. Yeah. One of the one of the one of the original one of the OGs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I started OGs. In, uh, introducing it at the company I was working uh, at that time, uh, little by little, with uh, with uh, some project that uh, weren't like, uh, didn't have a lot of risk. So yeah small projects and we started growing from there. I, I was mm-hmm. never able to convince a lot of people in that company. So we were like two or three doing closure and uh, in a like 20 something people company. Mm. But uh, it always starts like that, right? And like just a couple of people saying, oh, it's just going to be, you know, we're just going to start a small project in a different yeah. thing. Yeah. But being, if, if you're a Java company already, it helps a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but all the all the somewhere. all the Lisp stuff and all the functional programming and all together and, and I remember also the tooling because mm-hmm. uh, the tooling was a hard one because I was I was uh, I have been using uh, Emacs uh, from like 2004 I think like so like more than 15 years now so it's, it's yeah. in my muscle memory and everything uh, but trying well, to I guess that concludes the episode then yeah, <laughs> that's what we wanted to know. <laughs> It's either Emacs or some oh, other shit. Then if it is Emacs, then we're done. I think we, we don't need to discuss anything. You know, we know, <laughs> we know everything now. <laughs> but but that, that, uh, I remember you, you uh, enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but that, that was yeah. a hard thing to uh, back on those days. Was I was trying to introduce uh, closure in the company because yeah. everybody was using like different like IDEs and stuff and uh, and and trying to do closure without all the paredit stuff and it was hard and uh, too many things yeah. at the same time like functional programming and parentheses and uh, yeah. editors yeah. And, yeah, so i think we well, can, can we say that basically emacs was repellent yeah is that is that basically what you're telling me <laughs> well, I think I think in a way I think Emacs keeps stupid people away. I don't know. <laughs> well, I can say that, I guess. It, I it's been know. keeping me away, so <laughs> because I'm I'm too busy configuring that, so not to create enough damage in any other area. So, so, so moving on from uh, Emacs, then. So, uh, I know if we. <laughs> We don't. You don't want to, but let's please. We're not. We're not moving away. From <laughs> we'll come back to that's it. I'm sure we'll circle back. But uh, what you know now, now it's kind of it's kind of interesting that um, you know you had such a lisp um, kind of background because you know I know a lot of people like you say they look at if they've got a lisp background they look at closure and say meh, why have you got the brackets and yeah it's a bit weird and you know oh you've got this Java stuff it's horrible you know but now you've been doing it for ten years. You know, and I don't know if you keep 
doing lisp stuff in the background or if you're still hankering after that stuff or you know what's your feeling about that no i completely move into closure uh, i mean around like 2011 or 12 or something like that i completely move into closure because uh, i think the like all the ecosystem around the jvm is amazing and uh, yeah it's also, also if you compile it you can compile it to clo- to uh, javascript and that's also amazing because you can hmm. like hmm. Work with a Node.js these days and React Native and the browser and everything, so mm. reaches a lot of places. And... Yeah, but it is almost like ten over. Not almost. I think it's it's ten years, right? So yeah. in 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 ten years, um, what type of applications were working on Enclosure? Is uh, it mostly web stuff or is it um, no a lot of stuff? Or... No, a lot of different kind of applications. Even uh, like a small mm-hmm. compiler, transpiler, or something. Uh, um, yeah, I worked for the last company. I worked here in Uruguay. We were uh, writing a kind of a transpiler uh, from uh, Photoshop files into um, Java and uh, Objective C code for for drawing UIs. So. Basically, you ex- by creating, uh, yeah, kind of wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's not is... a transpiler, is it? That's something else. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you can, we define it. A, we define it a it's, language. It, it's not a transpiler; it's a crime. <laughs> <laughs> now we created that's kind of weird idea, like uh, a friend had, and uh, we got pretty far with it. So we define it a language using uh, names on, on on layers and everything you ah, can yeah, do yeah, in Photoshop. Yeah. So we created a language yeah. there. So like graphical designers can. Uh, create like all the, the stuff they create but using this language mm, okay. so basically yeah. if you create a button you are creating like a layer call it button and mm. all that stuff yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, yeah. okay so we were uh, reading that was our input and we were generating yep. uh, Objective C and Java um, code for Android and uh, mm-hmm. the Objective C okay. was for iPhone for creating the user interface. So uh, okay. for mm-hmm. making this this uh, thing of like uh, I mean uh, like picking colors and, and and sizes and everything and mm-hmm. have to do all that mm-hmm. stuff by hand that is kind of repetitive. And uh, yeah. we ended up like uh, generating like code for humans. So the, yeah. so the first step was running that against some Photoshop files. And then you start mm-hmm. started working from there, like tweaking by hand, and mm-hmm. you forget about the, mm-hmm. the thing. And it was working. I mean, uh, so nice. so you you found out that it is way more difficult to make people who use Photoshop to teach them HTML and CSS than than to build a Photoshop format reader and then compile and then generate java code and objective c code that's really amazing that says something about the people who are using photoshop because i i i do remember those days i mean i remember uh when i was doing this this kind of work a long time ago they used to give us uh, photoshop files with splices you know they, yeah. they'll split everything and give me yeah. small pieces and then i had to open this particular png whatever in one window and then other window, I had to code this shit to exactly look like that one. Mm-hmm. And then they'll keep complaining, yeah, it's Vedana, but it is a bit more different. The kerning is not right. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, fuck you. You know, like, <laughs> who cares if the kerning <laughs> is a bit off for this button? But that, it, it's it's a challenge. But but I don't think, is it still the case? I'm assuming now that people have settled down for, fuck it, we'll use Bootstrap. 
and then move on or just use oh like God, default, come on. No, default stuff. That's not that's not the case. I don't I don't think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this tool was yeah. trying to get uh um rid of or, or help with all that uh all those yeah. annoyance. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think that's still I mean, you know, funnily enough, uh we you know, I don't want to get too too waylaid by this, but we have something very similar where what you want to do, and you know, to your point, what you really want to do is you want to take some assets from some designer and then kind of like be able to take those assets, put them into some sort of web form in a, you know, let's say a, a strong with high fidelity. So, you know, yeah. the images come across the right colors, the right sizes, all these things. And it's kind of tedious to do that by hand at the, at, you know, at the very, you know, at yeah, the best, yeah. it's tedious to do it by hand. You know, and the placements are slightly off. You know, so if you can, if you can automate it, it's fantastic. You know, and I think we've yeah. we've got there's a there's a um, there's a thing called um, now I might be butchering this something like Storybook or something like that, which is a JavaScript yeah, yeah, story, um, story. No, oh, it's Storyboard. Story yeah, yeah, yeah. Storybook. It's like a JavaScript library or framework or whatever, and you you can okay. you can you can essentially make things like you know look nice there. And it can take things from design tools. And then you can import that into, you know, into kind of like native applications as well. Yeah. So the, everyone's still kind of trying to solve, you know, Juan's problem essentially. Yeah. You know, it's still it, it was pretty. It's still pretty. Yeah. It was pretty useful because uh, for the designers just have to, for example, if they are were representing like tabs, they were uh, they just need to like create a group call and, and call it like tab or something yeah. and then yeah. inside mm -hmm. like uh, other groups for the buttons of the tabs and and the compiler could like uh, like uh, verify that the language was correctly like uh, ah, and, okay. and, and and give it like errors and everything so the, the designer can quickly figure out like I did this wrong and yeah. uh, and fix it and uh, with some nice error messages and uh, and yeah and then and then it ended up generating all the 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 code for for basic layouts and all that stuff and some basic constraints and uh, yeah okay and then you so grab it from there it and you tweak it by hand yeah. it's not something like yeah, yeah, sure, it's sure. going to do everything for you it's not round tripping yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah but all that stuff was yeah. written in closure and uh hmm. oh wow because yeah, and, and closure was great is notoriously crappy right i mean uh, yeah the at the time we were like using even adding some Ruby stuff in the pipeline to to read from those uh, <laughs> files yeah. and and yeah and, and using something that was like generating JSON and uh, like all that uh, representation in JSON and we were yeah. like processing from there and the, wow. yeah from there on was everything like data transformation in closure yeah and, yeah. Uh, I mean, and in, in in Photoshop's defense, I think PSD format is one of the most backward compatible formats. So it has a ridiculous amount of junk in it that you need to handle to to read through all the stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so um, let's not make it a Photoshop uh, podcast. <laughs> this <Yeah. now. laughs> DJ proudly sponsored by Adobe. <laughs> ah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not paying them anymore, but I uh, used to. So. I used to work for their competitor back in the day, long time ago. When they with, had one. Uh, with Quark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when they had one, Quark, and then Quark just disappeared and then good times. Anyway. Um so so that sounds like a very non non typical or atypical, atypical closure project, right? It's like um I don't know. I mean closure is, is nice for that kind of uh uh kind about of transformation. Uh, yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> 
I think it's just but, the context that was a bit different. I guess that's the uh, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, not like a typical web application or anything. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But it was a structure like like a compiler. I mean, we had a parser, and then like, mm -hmm. we, and we were in each step, we were like uh, generating errors and verifying everything, and then uh, emitting uh, something that was basically Objective C code or uh, Java code. And uh, mm. yeah, nice. So we ha even have an emitter, and uh, I mean, it mm. was like structure, like like uh, the pipeline was like yeah. a compiler. Yeah. Just like a compiler mm -hmm. pipeline. Yeah. And yeah. I had a chance yeah. also there to use a lot of uh, um, uh, generative testing. And that was uh, like mm -hmm. amazing because I was trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to test a bunch of those things. And yeah, uh, yeah I was able to use like uh, generative testing for, for like uh, generate the, the um, generating a lot of input. So that, that, that JSON that was the input with all the groups and layers. We were like uh, yep. randomly generating a lot of that stuff and then running it through the compiler. And, and, and uh, be just before emitting, we were like checking a bunch of invariants and things that should be there and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was nice. It was nice, yeah. Hmm. So what what else did you work on then other than this? Uh, this uh, a lot this... of... A lot of things. I mean, uh, there there were some web uh, applications. Uh, we were also working for a, like a cinema network, uh, like countrywide cinema network here in Uruguay. Mm -hmm. So it was a distributed application, and they had like a, um, uh, like a web page where they sell tickets and the mobile applications and uh, like uh, a lot of things. And um, okay. yeah, and we we're using Clojure for some of that uh, stuff, even. Uh, like the I don't know, like the automated automated um, ticket uh, spenders machines. I don't know yep. how they yep. you call them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, those are still like fully uh, parameter closure. Uh, oh so, wow! So, yeah, uh, I didn't know that closure has this amount of reach in uh, in Uruguay. Uh, like, um, yeah, I mean, so how many people are writing closure in Uruguay? The whole country? No, no, what no. Is happening there? <laughs> I think like uh, uh, I don't know now, but there is a company uh, doing um, uh, closure here, a lot of closure, I think, and Atomic yeah. and all that stuff. And uh, okay. yeah, but uh, that time I, I think it was like only two companies I knew about. So mm, yeah, but still, I mean, doing that that level of projects in in fairly new programming language yeah compared to other industry uh, big uh, big names uh, is it, pretty awesome though mm. nice yeah. so what is your latest project then so what are you working on these days uh, i think we should get to the money part now <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah these days i'm, I'm working at uh, two projects like one is just, just starting uh, working in on it, but one of is like some uh, one application called Clash that is uh, mm -hmm. trying to compete with uh, TikTok. So it's basically social okay. network stuff, and it's uh, so you're clashing with TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's a uh, uh, fully written enclosure script and closure. So the cell phone yep. part is React Native closure script. And yeah. on the back end, we have a lot of things, some of them like uh, in Clojure and some of them in the Clojure script uh, on mm -hmm. Node.js because of like uh, Lambda stuff and was, was a little better mm -hmm. on Clojure mm -hmm. script. And, uh, but yeah. Yeah, then Clojure. So yeah. that is uh, where I'm working on now. Nice. So that's a, that's a pretty massive um, uh, 
kind of project, right? To to compare with uh, to compete with TikTok. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super interesting. In scale and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's an interesting question because, uh, like, the the government in the US got uh, nervous about TikTok when the they they sold like a million tickets to Donald Trump's uh, one of Donald Trump's <laughs> events. And then it turns is out is it really that, government though? I thought it was just Trump getting. Uh, it turns out he's in charge of the government though. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but you know, uh, well, for for a few know. more weeks. Yeah, but it's really you know yeah. it, it has, he has been there. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. So because yeah. the 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 TikTok teens kind of like an old what what is it K-pop fans they're called um, yeah, all K-pop kind fans, of like yeah. tried to um, basically. I use TikTok as a way to try and register or spread the word for, you know, buying or buying these online tickets, which were free. Um, and mm. he, they were expecting a million people and you know, to turn people away and they made a different stage and all this kind of stuff. And then, then no one turned up. <laughs> and it was absolutely embarrassing. It was more, he was mortified. So he actually, I mean, it was a crazy thing. He said, oh, yeah, someone must bet, someone's got to destroy TikTok. And now I yeah. think Oracle and Walmart of all the people, I mean, fuck knows why, you know, but get the fuck in there first because this deserves it, you know. Oracle and fucking Walmart, what the hell are they doing buying TikTok assets? I mean, it's just mental to me, you know. You could, yes. yeah, yeah. Anyway, weird. I think he's a yeah. friend of uh, Donald, isn't he, Larry? Larry Ellison's a friend of the Donald. Probably. Yeah, and I think the Walmart I think Larry is one of those, family, uh, you know. I think the, the the Walmart the Walmart thing I read that it uh, because in China they are using like TikTok to sell stuff so the people that is like uh, creating the content there can also like you're right. looking at what I'm doing and I can sell you this mouse or whatever uh, and uh-huh. uh, so I probably Walmart is interested into that like the influencer of, like, type uh, model yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it's interesting. Anyway, so, so you know, but before that, before that, maybe we should talk about the the project before that, and we'll come back to the TikTok one because you know I think that's really interesting. But you know, the bigger project, I think you run it for a long time with uh, with a, with a friend of mine, Philip, was the was the um, the blockchain one, wasn't it? Yeah, was working for a company that that's still like the, they are still creating some stuff. Uh, that's called District Zero X, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we were uh, doing uh, like Ethereum stuff uh, for decentralized mm-hmm. markets, uh, places, and all that stuff. And we were also doing everything in the in ClojureScript, and uh, we were using ClojureScript and not Closure because uh, for interacting with Ethereum and all this Web three JS. I mean, the, the libraries are like much better in JavaScript than they are on the JVM world for interacting with Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, that was like uh, 40 years ago. I don't know just uh, now what's the yeah. status of it. But, but what, what exactly is District 0x then? Is it, is it like a, um, uh, it's a, it's a decentralized a, contract thingy? Yeah, I mean, we were trying to create uh, and um, uh, decentralize this, uh, marketplaces, but instead mm. of like creating it, like we we were, uh, it's kind of complicated to explain. But um, uh, so basically, we created some marketplaces by hand, trying to figure mm-hmm. out some patterns to uh, create a tool that was able to. Um, uh, give people some functionality so so normal non-technical people can create uh decentralized marketplaces on on, on the blockchain okay and 
So that's a completely closed script, you said. Yeah, so, that, I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. We had some server stuff written in closure script and also like, mm. uh, like the, they were like single page applications in reframe and, uh, yeah, so the yeah. browser part was everything closure script was. Okay, so if you see like ten years of evolution of closure, you know, beginning from writing Photoshop transpiler, <laughs> <laughs> all the way to a cryptocurrency to uh, to TikTok, uh, well, mobile <laughs> application, right? Or mobile, or I don't know if it is mobile anymore. It's, it's it has a it bunch of backend services. I'm yeah. Honest. Yeah, but if it's not just a mobile app that you release, right? There is a lot oh, of no, backends no. uh, I mean, stuff yeah. that you need to have. So mm-hmm. it's like the, the the mobile is just the tip of the iceberg in, in these kind mm-hmm. of applications. Mm-hmm. It's not something I just download and then disconnect with the network and then I can do whatever I like. Mm-hmm. So if you see all the all all these kind of things, like if you, if you look back, how do you see your closure experience? Like, what did you see? Oh, this is super nice about closure, and this is the shitty part about the closure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a, for me a great experience, but I think that the, the tooling, uh, it's still, in my opinion, the part that, uh, uh, still needs a lot of improvement. And, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it's great in one, great in one hand that we can use all the Java tooling. I mean, all profile, all the profilers and, uh, and, and well, every, a lot of libraries and, Stuff like that, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in the past, uh, I think uh, I don't know, like five or six years, I, I was, I have been always trying to that I to uh, create tools that ex- improve the development experience in Closure. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. But is this the reason why you thought okay, Closure needs a better debugger? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm currently working in Clojure and Clojure script, and uh, I'm using yep. Emacs, and I love like Cider debugger. Yeah. But it, uh, in my opinion, it has some problems. What, one of them is like, <laughs> uh, one of <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, one of them is like uh, it's really nice, but then I cannot use it in in, uh, in Clojure script. So when I move to Clojure yeah. script, it's not there. So that's yeah. kind of annoying. And uh, but also, it, yeah. I was just going to say, maybe we should back up a little bit because you just threw that in there, VJ. Maybe we should talk <laughs> about the project that you're kind of working on, which is you know, which is more than just a debugger. It's a, you know, it's a tracer and stuff. So maybe just give us a bit of yeah. a background about that project and yeah. how you came to it and you know, sort of what what it's all about. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have been working in a couple of different tools uh, in the past years. Like, uh, like this, the DC bugger is one of them, but uh, there's also one called Clograms. I don't know if uh, if you uh, yeah are, uh, mm, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, I can I can talk a little about about both. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So um, Clograms is, is basically a diagram uh, a diagramming tool but that mm-hmm. knows about your source code. Like most diagram tools, like doesn't know anything about your source code. So it, you, the only thing you have is like uh, shapes and lines and all that stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. Clorams, it's, um, it knows about your source. So it, it can it can index your entire code base uh, with dependencies and everything. And then you have uh, all that stuff available to you when creating your diagram. So it's much, mm-hmm. Faster. And w- what I'm trying to uh, do with that, it's uh, 
trying to create a diagramming tool. So when you approach um, a, a code base, a code base you don't know, for example, on the ClojureScript mm -hmm. compiler or something like that, you can have like multi-level diagrams in the same way you have like Google Maps to explore the world. Like uh, this is mm, a, so yeah. you can mm, zoom yeah. out and see your continents. In this case, it's like zooming out. Will uh, the idea is to show you like the the um, uh, high level architecture diagram and yeah, like the, the modules of yeah, the spaces. Yeah. Uh, oh no, but more like the really architecture diagram, like your machinery, oh. your queues, how everything it's uh, communicating, okay. like big parts. And like you have like this mobile client and this uh, database and this uh, microservice and everything. Mm -hmm. But then if you start zooming in, you start seeing, for example, if you zoom in into some special microservice, you are going to see the um, diagram, the architecture diagram for that specific microservice that was created okay. by hand. And if you keep zooming, uh, the idea is you end up reaching code. Yeah. So you can go in the same diagram from like high level stuff into like code, uh, because but is it something that you that you draw in the tool itself? Yeah, is exactly. It some metadata that you put no, in the code. No, the, is the idea is to okay. provide a tool that may create makes creating this kind of diagram easy. Uh, yeah. But I would love to approach a project in GitHub, some library or something, and being able yeah, and to like yeah, scroll back and see well, this is the big machinery. But yeah. uh, but I can zoom in and get into like the code itself. So mm -hmm. and uh, okay. So yeah, and, and closure is uh, I think it's a nice language for this because everything it's it's functions calling functions. So that is nice yeah. to represent into diagrams and uh, mm. and then for creating architecture diagrams you can use like normal tools like shapes, lines, and whatever you like. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and. Um, but yeah, that that's so, that's something I was interested in. So the the so we use Clograms to design and also link the source code. Essentially, is is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Or, so so Clograms so Clograms is based in on another project I have been working on that's called Cleandex. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Cleandex, yep. yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's something that can walk your source code and all the dependency source code. And create yeah. uh, facts like like atomic yeah. or data script facts and index yeah. them in a data script database. So yeah. you, it, it's uh, it meant to be used as a base for creating other tooling. So uh, oh, then you can okay. create some tooling that instead of like when when the tooling wants to know something like an IDE or something about uh, your source. You can yep. you can use like data log and pool API and all that stuff instead of talking about like files and texts. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, you're still not you you're still you know using your experience of building this compiler, but you're, you're just splitting it out into multiple projects. Now. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, Clograms is using Clindex, so it has the 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 all your projects indexed with all the dependencies and everything. So when okay. you are draw, drawing the diagram, it, you can use all yeah. this stuff. So instead of having like circles and squares, you can also have like yeah. all the functions and namespaces and all that stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so, yeah. so see this, this Clindex is, uh, do you know the, there is a project called Sourcegraph, right? These days there is this, you know, making a meaning of the, of the code, like semantic. Um, yeah. 
semantic indexing of the, of the source code. Mm -hmm. So so Clindex is doing something like that. So it's extracting information from your source code and then building up this index to to provide you, okay, this is a function, this is a file, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and Clindex okay. currently is indexing like everything, every type, every protocol, every protocol implementation, every multi-method, okay. uh, I mean, implementation and a lot of uh, ex yeah, specs and uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of things. So it's basically closure parser. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but, but generating a new exactly new, instead of generating like a, like a structure with nested maps or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, the idea is generating something like uh, just data script facts, uh, so yeah. they have no structure, and you can query it however you want. Yeah, yeah, nice. nice. So is there so a data model associated with it, or is it um, is it something which is uh, output into just Eden, or is it you know you use no that? no no it's a, it's a model yeah yeah there's just a schema like a like data script yeah. schema that will says like yeah okay so that is used by clograms so yeah. clograms can read this index and then give you um, mm. give you the UI elements that you can not not UI elements like yeah yeah that but you can put onto yeah, the diagram yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, you, can you um, <clears throat> can you track like evolution in the uh, in the program as well? Uh, evolution in what sense? Well, like like diffing essentially, you know. So if you if you see, okay, this is how the program was a year ago. This is how the program is now. You know, can you see which uh, parts were the the biggest had the biggest change or that kind of stuff or you know well, what the biggest uh, not, change in the code base was? Or doesn't it compare the two indexes? Yeah. Yeah, not currently, but yeah, I mean, Clindex just uh, create facts about things, and when you mm. when you change the original, I mean, if you remove a dependency or just just go and and, and change mm. your function, mm. it's going to re-index that uh, namespace, for example, and create mm. new mm. facts about it automatically. So okay, but, but because data script at the moment, though. no, no, because it's using that data script and not datomic. And data right. script, you you cannot have yeah. like, like history and all that stuff. What about okay. something? But like, it could um, be crooks. What about something like crooks as a backend because that that has uh, those kind of options as well. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, uh, haven't tried uh, crooks yet. But I mean, I have read about it, but no, haven't tried. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah, because yeah, that's so open source as well. Yeah, would be interesting. I, I think uh, there is. Like, I mean. There is a project I think from Rich Hickey like called like yeah codex, codex. codex yeah yes, that yes, that was yeah. supposed to do something similar I guess yeah but that or... was I think like uh, that was a long time ago right when the datomic was released this was shown as yeah. an example that you can read but, from but the history I, I read that the, he's still working on it on an, like a new version new idea of how to index oh. code but I don't know I mean I just read it. he's working on spec two sharp yeah. <laughs> 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 Quite possibly, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, there will be one of the closure conyers, and then he he'll, he'll have a uh, keynote, and you know, people will get excited and yeah. like, "Hey, there's a new stuff that I that I thought about." Yeah, yeah. and then he'll, anyway, give, a, he'll give a word that we need to Google for, and then <laughs> we get rich anyway, you know. But I think what you're doing is really good one. You know, you're actually <laughs> moving things forward in you know in real time <laughs> rather than uh, hammock time. 
I'm doing a bunch yeah, of well. experiments, but uh, I think it's yeah, nice to have an index, an index of your source code because you can even like uh, create some CIDR plugin or something. So you can yeah. use, for example, CIDR without using a REPL because that is like yeah. all mm. like statically mm. parsing and indexing. So, and yeah, you can yeah. get auto completion and references and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm. So how, how did this lead into the the tracing and debugging part of Flowstorm? Uh, no, that uh, yeah, that's completely uh, <laughs> a different thing. But yeah, I, w I wanted to try this kind of debugging that is uh, kind of different uh, because the CIDR mm -hmm. debugger, uh, stepper, however you call it, uh, it's something that it's going to block your execution and lets you move one yeah. step at a time. But yeah. um, because it's it's like really executing the thing, you cannot, for example, mm -hmm. step backwards or jump around in time uh, or any mm -hmm. of that. So what, what I, I'm trying with Flowstorm, it's a trace-based debugger. So mm -hmm. it's basically two parts. It's a um, instrument your code, so your code executes and uh, generate traces of everything that's happening. Yeah. That that's one part. And the other part, it's like now we have uh, uh, traces of everything that happened. Uh, we can create a tool to analyze them uh, mm -hmm. in different uh, ways. Um, so yeah, that that that's the basic idea behind uh, mm. Blowstorm. And uh, and the debugger currently allows you to step through your code execution forward, backward in time, in in what I call like in three dimensions also. Uh, mm -hmm. You can move in time. For example, if you have like a, like a loop or something, a recursive functions, you can move forward. So next expression, mm -hmm. next expression. But for every expression, you can also like move in another dimension. That uh, because mm -hmm. the, that expression in the loop has been executed many times, so you mm -hmm. can move in that direction. So take mm -hmm. me to the when this expression was uh, in its twentieth uh, execution or something. And then move forward right, from right. there, and uh, so you mm, you move mm. in three dimensions in that. Uh, so you can skip, you can skip tracks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can you can jump around in time and uh, yeah. to try to figure out uh, what is happening. Uh, it also provides you like um, uh, because one of the other things that I, I don't like about Cider is that when I'm working with uh, stuff that generates a lot of data. Trying to yep. inspect it in the CIDR debugger is kind of annoying. You, we have a CIDR inspector that it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, having having it like in a collapsible tree with uh, like some other UI tools, I think it's great mm -hmm. for, for exploring like complicated data structures. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Did you check the, because a couple of episodes ago, uh, we had... Um, Vlad, who who is building a, a reveal revel yeah. uh, thing, um, so uh, do you see any parallels between them? Because for me, it feels like at least the code exploration part seems to be kind of you know there is a bit of an overlap there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they are first they are both using the uh, CLJ effects library. <laughs> they are <laughs> like you know, yeah, the same yeah. there. <laughs> so you, you owe him a beer anyway, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh but i i, I try it uh, uh uh this application like uh, uh reveal 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 uh, yeah yeah reveal reveal yeah yeah, yeah. 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 reveal yeah. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's uh, amazing that they overlap in one thing, I think. It's like, um, for example, you can track uh, how a reference, uh, uh, trace how a reference is changing. So you can, mm -hmm. in, in Reveal, you can watch a reference and every time that reference change, you are going to see your the value updated. Mm, but yeah. I, I think I, I took it uh, one step further in, in the in Flowstorm uh, that you can you get the history of all the state mm. changes. So you can trace mm. a reference and get this history and you can move in time by seeing the difference. So yeah. uh, so mm. you can like clearly see if it's a big data structure and just one number get incremented or something you just yeah. uh, see it like in green there like uh, mm -hmm. like the browser one when when you yeah um, html so it's, like, it's like a it's like a dvr or a kind of like a, a time machine where you can go backwards and forwards yeah and exactly do diffs and stuff yeah okay yeah yeah hmm. and these are, and does it use is it is it using like the java vm instrumentation api is that the idea or is it doing something no but no it's higher level i mean but i'm 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 about to try like uh using like a java flight recorder because mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. yeah so because currently it's uh just generating uh traces through a web socket uh just creating some json traces mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. And that's it. But since the Java Flight Recorder is a platform exactly for this, like for mm. uh, yeah. creating, yeah, yeah, say storing or, or, or even streaming events, by, but super performantly. Uh, mm. But I haven't tried it yet because I was uh, trying something that also works on Closure Script. Yeah, so right. yeah, 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 this yeah. also works on the sh only works on the JVM. And but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll try. Uh, to see what I can. So, what state is the project in right now? So people can just um, I don't know, just just download it or, or add it to their project and then open it and then enjoy the state yeah. changes in multi-dimensional mm -hmm. way in three D. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm using I have been using it for the past I think like two or three months, like every day oh. in my job. So okay. uh, my daily job, and it's it's yeah. nice because in this uh, Clash application we have the, some microservices and the um, uh, and the React Native uh, mobile application, and if yeah. you instrument everything, uh, mm -hmm. then you can just like press a button on the cell phone and looking at the debugger timeline, you can mm -hmm. see like uh, everything uh, in a timeline. So yeah. everything you instrumented on the, but ordered, sorted in time and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So for, for debugging distributed application and figure out what is happening, I think it's uh, yeah. great. Okay. So it's, uh, it's production ready. So how far does it go down? So let's say uh, like with React Native, React Native has like, you know, a Java front end or an Objective-C front end. So is it at the point where you like where where did, where are the boundaries to the to the kind of tool on the on the on the native uh, side, on the mobile side? Uh, where do you, you hook like in? in? Where does it all? You know, it's, it's assume like you've got a let's say, I don't know, some uh, non closure script uh, bit of code to do some rendering or to do you know yeah. some library or whatever you've used, and that that kicks off an interaction. 
maybe you've got a, a, a QR reader or something else like that that you've yeah. brought in from Objective C. So when, 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 how does it kind of like know that it's been triggered, or how, where, where, where are the kind of, well, where are the edges of this thing? I mean, it's, uh, instrumentation is pretty straightforward. It's just a macro mm -hmm. that walks mm -hmm. over your code and generates exactly the same code, but that generates traces. So that's right, instrumentation. Okay. So you just go and, and, and add, add, um, it has, it even has a reader, uh, literal, uh, thing. So mm -hmm. you, you put trace, uh, in front of like a function or something and all that code gets instrumented. So you only instrument what you are interested in. Right, right, oh, okay. right. Okay, and that's that, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And and also, it's pretty nice for React Native because uh, it's uh, we are doing reframe and and mm. tracing the um, database changes. It's super useful. Yeah. Like, hmm, nice. So, uh, just want to ask you about your because now now I know that you're working on uh, tools. That means you know you you've come to a point where Okay, this is what you already mentioned that tooling is one of the things that is that is the biggest challenge in enclosure uh, development. Um, Language-wise or otherwise, like, do you see any um, pros and cons of using closure for for ten years? Just just before we go there, I mean, I think yeah. we give him a chance to think <laughs> about this one, park it a little bit. Just coming back to the flow debugger, okay? <laughs> I think we need okay. to spend another 10 minutes on this, okay? I mean, you know, Fiji's not interested, but I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, who, who, who uses debuggers anyway? I mean, we have to yeah. learn, and then that's it. Exactly. Yeah, you don't even need tap anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, he learned now, you know, tap, tap is like something new. But blah, blah, blah. Well, well in that, in that uh, one, one small thing, I mean, it's... Uh, Flowstorm is basically print lines, but you don't need to choose where to put them. It will put like yeah, yeah, them yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that, that's that's really nice. What I was going to ask you is like, do you have like a joined up view of things? So like you know, talking about like having a native application, a back end application, you know, so some users using Clash to record a video and then they upload their video. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I'm assuming that's basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so then, do you know, like, well, okay, yes, this particular call is is being traced in the in the closure script side, and if I have enabled tracing on the website, then I know it's going to be. Is there a sort of request ID or something like that that links everything together? Uh, it doesn't link everything together, but there is uh, something called the timeline in the debugger that right. can uh, sort everything that gets traced by timestamps. So, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's not but linking in single them, user but... mode, it kind of works. In single user mode, it works, but in multi user mode, yeah, it's exactly. Tricky. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you can use this extra quest ID normally. That's what we do. We use extra yeah. quest ID, and then you can kind of flow everything through on, on a call level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that needs you to like add that to your service or something. It's not it's like the, a general yeah, a bit... thing. Yeah, it's. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool, cool. So and then like if you if you're using some like backend libraries, does it does it like trace into that as well? So if you're yeah, using you know some JDBC libraries or whatever. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because I mean that's that part. It's not like super well tested. I'm not using it a lot. But the idea yeah. it's uh, just uh, uh, grab the source. I mean, when you try to instrument a library from the REPL, it will hmm. grab the source 
and uh, instrument that source and replace the function with the instrumented source. So that's... Uh, so how do you do that? Is there any... Is there any yeah, sorry, is there any performance you? penalty of this one? Because, uh, I mean, instrumentation so far, I've been using uh, Peter Tassanis' uh, profile library so far Yeah. Uh, for instrumentation. And then it does this bunch of statistics as well, how many times it is called. Yeah, exactly. Um, is, there any, is there any performance issue here? Or, or concern here if we keep yeah. adding these traces. Yeah, I mean, and unless it's uh, it's it's not using like Java Flight Recorder or anything now, so yeah, for yeah. sure you have a lot of performance penalty. But it's meant yeah. for for development for figuring mm-hmm. out yeah. like where it's wrong. It's not meant to uh, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. code. To, I mean, you just add the traces around what you're interested in, and as soon as mm. you figure out the issue, you remove them. Yeah, you remove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So actually, on that, if you want to do that, can you sort of leave them in and like put a like a, a higher level flag that says, you know, don't deactivate traces, or is it yeah. just is it just all opt in at the code level? No, but that that can be done. Yeah. Hmm. So basically, the macro skips can be the, done with the, the. I guess that can be done just using some program level. Um, configuration, if. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just add the if yeah, condition yeah. somewhere. Yeah, but it's basically like so yeah, if a flag is set, you you convert the, the trace macro into identity and it does nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Nice. And it sounds like an um interesting project. Um so what about the visualizations of uh so on your timeline, the visualizations, what, what, how, how is that? I mean, it's unfortunately we're on a podcast, you know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get you onto a visual show one of these days. <laughs> yeah, have, have you, have you done any kind of like, uh, have you done any kind of like talks or stuff like that, uh, where you're showing off the, the, the timelines and. No, kind of I have been, th- I have been thinking about like, uh, uh creating a screencast, uh, Right, right. Yeah. 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 That would make it more, uh, yeah, more, well, it's it's a debugger with a visual <laughs> medium. Yeah. So I think it makes sense then. Uh, okay, it's not like GDB or something that you need to type, okay, P and then N and then <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just wait for it, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, okay. like good old days. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you finish this, do it, and then we'll link to it. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Next week. Yeah. No, that's really. No, it's really interesting. No, it's a. It's a yeah. very impressive bit of a uh, bit of kit, I think. And you know, it's one of the things. I was wondering whether what you thought about, like, you know, Vijay's talking about the kind of evolution of closure, and you know, thing that I've noticed in my like um, my experience with closure over the last uh i know yeah not quite the 10 years but you know a long time and is that everything has become more data oriented and i see these tools like reveal and like Flowstorm and um and what's the other one there's another one uh there are various projects that are sort of just suddenly emerging suddenly flowering all around like revealing data and showing traces and stuff like this this seems to me the next frontier in closure actually you know, it's getting getting below the sort of surface of spec and below the surface of language and doing what you're doing. You know, is that is that something yeah. that you 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 feel also? Is that it's like this is, you know, this is like reachable now for did something change in like one point nine or one point eight to make this possible, or is it just you've just got the time to do it, or the itch has got stronger? 
No, I mean, I even started creating this like seven years ago. All right, okay. <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is a, I mean, I started trying the idea. There is a, a project yeah. on my GitHub there that's called X-Ray. And I was doing exactly the same, but for the traces, I was trying to draw a tree of execution and I was trying to have a different approach mm -hmm. on, on visualizing mm -hmm. traces. Mm -hmm. But did, okay. isn't it something, isn't it something uh, with, uh, I'm not sure, is it closure 110 or something? The data fee, data fi yeah, thingy yeah, showed up and then uh, that that could be one of the triggers um, that is supposed to be one of the triggers to expose everything as data. And then um, you could use that one. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, that, that is something I has uh, also been planning to use. Uh, yeah. yeah, the, the Datafy uh, uh, protocols yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, that requires changes again, doesn't it? I guess, you know, as more and more libraries start <laughs> to support those kind of like nav Datafy type um, options, then, yeah. you know, more options open up for the toolmaker, you know? Yeah. So, um, I think uh, we can go back to the question. You can now, ask your you know, question uh, now, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we can edit out all the all the questions that Ray was asking, and then uh, we'll just make my question as the most important one. You know, um, yeah. So so a quick reflection on you know because we are almost an hour now. Um, a quick reflection on on working on several projects and then you know working in closure community and then building tools. Um, so what do you see as the as the pros and cons in, in, in closure and then where do you see yourself going you know do you think closure is going to be your next 10 years language or you know how, how it will evolve uh yeah good question uh i mean uh, closure for me it's still uh, like the the what i feel more comfortable with as a general purpose language uh yeah. i think the the, the one of the the thing that maybe makes me choose like one other language it's probably performance depending on the on the on the Context, project yeah. on the kind mm -hmm. of project because yeah, yeah yeah all the with this uh with all the complexity happening happening on the on the chips this day with all the cache pipeline and, and mm -hmm. branch predictions and all this stuff and it's uh that really makes a difference if you can lay mm -hmm. out your data in memory and uh and, and and currently we don't have any way of doing any of that in from, from closure and yeah. uh there are some stuff coming to the shavm to under the shava language all these value types and all this stuff yeah but yeah, yeah that's yeah. one thing that that that's uh but i don't know how that can end up in closure either um hmm. but yeah i think there are some projects, if projects really need performance, since you cannot mm. do any of this in closure, you cannot express the idea of how to lay out stuff in memory. And I don't think it's the idea mm. of the JVM either. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I think probably because we, we are reliant on JVM pretty much. And then uh, whatever the improvements JVM is bringing will will show up in closure. And at the same time, JVM becomes the 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 least common denominator for us you know like the, that that's what we can we can have um yeah well i think we have to be careful to write it off though because you know they've they're they're putting a lot of time and effort into optimizing these things yeah um so uh, you know and like you say value types are coming these kind of things you know there's obviously there's all, all the stuff 
to do with um, lambdas and um, yeah. various type of hooks. That I, I think the part of the problem I think you you mentioned yourself one is that it's actually quite tricky for like languages like Clojure to pick up on some of these things. Not because they don't exist, it's just because you know. Um, the bank book, you know, the sort of there's a tipping point. It's, you know, there's some point where there's enough features in the JVM that make it attractive to go below the kind of just transpiling to Java or to bytecodes, or maybe just make the bytecodes change slightly differently. Because obviously, closure transpiles to bytecodes. So maybe Rich at some point or the compiler people, which is Rich basically, you know, could <laughs> it has to have, there, there has to be enough benefit for him to change that thing. No, and and let's say that comes in, you know, I don't know Java twelve. Or, no, Java twelve is already there. Java fifteen or twenty five. I mean, it's they're releasing. They're re- it's already there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're releasing yeah. every month. You know, so Java you know, twenty five. Yeah. It's not there, is it? It's twenty five there yet. This <laughs> <laughs> released yesterday. Yeah, maybe but, it will be by the time we publish this episode. <laughs> so let's say Java pace. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, we're still on JDK eight. Uh, we're just about oh, wow. we're just we're just okay. closing we're closing the gap to get to JDK 11, yeah, and that that will mm, be yeah. that will be that, I think a lot of projects will be on JDK 11 for another five years. Yeah. So yeah. so you know my guess is that like getting people to actually adopt you know all of these kind of things in the Java world is you know it's ten years away I think to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think the 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 new features at the language level are always complicated right i mean but if there is a um, improvement at the jvm level uh, then you know it's always backward compatible so it will probably yeah. you know speed up your your shit you know, mm-hmm. and that's the underlying thing but yeah, the language features themselves you can't use them yeah yeah this like all this uh that used to be called fibers and now they're calling like virtual threads yeah. or something like that that's probably yeah. going to be amazing i mean uh yeah yeah Writing code as green threads and then, yeah. yeah, code as performant as as when you write like async code, but don't have mm. to deal with mm. all the async await stuff. It's amazing if that happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, so, what's the other what's the other language you're kind of looking at in that sense, then, Juan? I was looking at uh, a little at Rust and uh, mm. for I mean uh, and uh, and. Also, C. I mean, C. It's always uh, <laughs> yeah. an amazing language. Yeah, and and, and I also like really like to do stuff on some some very amateur, but uh, I would I like to do electronics and microcontroller stuff mm-hmm. and all that. And yeah. C there, it's like yeah, it's easier to reason about because you could easy to reason about the assembly it generates and all that stuff. I mm-hmm. think it's a little harder on Rust, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. possible. But hey, I mean the the advantage with Switching to C is that all your projects already have C in them, so you know the, the naming is not going to be a big yeah. problem. So, <laughs> That's so, you, know, you can say Clindex is basically C index, yeah, yeah. C line index. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's nice. That, that, that's true. He's thought so about I think it. The, yeah. And, and exactly. one fe- and one feature I, I'm really waiting. I think everybody's waiting for it. It's a spec in the the, the new version mm. of the spec enclosure. Yeah, mm. because mm. I I kind of stop it using you mean spec using three. Sp- oh. yeah <laughs> or spec whatever. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I stopped using uh, spec lately because it was like mm. about to change, and I was waiting for that. Mm. And yeah, mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm not using spec. Yeah, yeah but, it's a bit uh, frustrating. So, so you're using yeah. anything anything else as a replacement for spec? 
Uh, no, nothing uh, now. Like the stuff from uh, okay. And the only thing I have experience with it is spec. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. I think it's really frustrating when you know, like you say, we know that it's wrong, so it's going to change. Yeah. And then you know you have to you have to either satisfy yourself with a subset of it, which is a little bit frustrating, or like you say, you just think, well, you know, the payback is just not high enough. Because this is the, you know, I think the point about, um, you know, Stu and Rich saying, well, you know, you get you get documentation, you get generative testing, you get this, you get that, you get the other. You actually, often you do have to put more than just the, the vanilla effort into getting all of those things back. At least that's what we found. Yeah. You know, you do have to write your own generators. You have to write your own this, you have to write your own that. Things don't just come out of the box, as they say. You know, I think yeah. you have to be careful how you, you know, how you sell this thing. But but you know it, it is really a fantastic concept, but it, we need to we need the new one. Otherwise, like you say, it's going to just end up being abandoned. You know, which is a shame. Yeah, that would be a real yeah. shame. Yeah. I mean, if I mean, it's, the worst, it's hard worst to... thing is more like um, not not abandoning, but it, it is showing up. But by the time the community has moved away, and then nobody is adopting it. That, that's that is essentially going to be much the same, worse. isn't it? You know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to use the current version knowing that it's all the the next version is almost there. So it's like mm, yeah, 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 yeah. But sometimes it's almost like the, there the, is a lot of years. So. Yeah, probably <laughs> yeah, so. you probably heard it like the Osborne effect or something, right? The, <laughs> there is this uh, computer uh, lore, like there is a laptop company. I think it's called August Osborne or something. They released one laptop and then. And next day they announced that oh next version is going to come next uh, whatever summer or something that's mm. going to be double whatever then mm. all this inventory nobody bought this shit and then they they went bankrupt because they mm. pre-announced the next yeah. version is going to be mm. there mm. so i think it's 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 us burning itself <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is that's why that's why yeah. apple keeps everything secret isn't it because they yeah. don't yeah. want that effect you know anyway exactly yes back to one okay <laughs> yes so, um, so what's the, what's the pros and cons of closure one? We get back to that question <laughs> feature. <laughs> so we, we we heard some cons. No, no, no. Uh, well, I think I think the, the the pros and cons of closures are the pros and cons of every piece of closure. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. it's a lisp, uh, almost no one's uh, knows. Uh, uh, it's not a lot of people doesn't feel comfortable with it. Then you, if you want to hire mm -hmm. people, it's a little harder. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, because it's dynamically typed, it has all the cons of dynamically typing, but also all the pros. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm hoping like spec helps a little with all this stuff, like uh, with uh, making it easier to figure out what kind of parameters something uh, or what's the shape mm -hmm. of the data that's a function mm -hmm. is receiving. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a group. I mean, because it's functional programming, it's has the pros and cons of functional programming, like at performance, it's uh, an issue. Sometimes mm -hmm. you need to go into interactive uh, programming. Yeah. But it's amazing that you can you have all these escape hatches in closure. I mean, you can always, mm -hmm. you start high level, and if you need to go to write like a JVM bytecode or Java or something, you can do it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, there's it's also, like, there's also an escape hatch. You know, yeah, you exactly. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, you've got these other things coming up with uh, Graal VM as well, which yeah. um, is another interesting kind of option in terms of, uh, you know, deployment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. 
Okay. So, uh, any other uh, projects that we missed, uh, Juan, from your open source uh, repertoire? No, I don't think so. I mean, I all, I'm always experimenting so, with stuff, I, and all this stuff I just mentioned—it's experimental. I mean, it's—I'm uh, using it every day, but it's uh, of course it's not. Uh, I mean, I think the uh, trying something like Flowstorm—it is a good idea since, like, it's something like the Java Fly Recorder is also trying. I mean, uh, generate yeah. a lot of traces yeah. and, a, and a visualization yeah. tool, so it's not something. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's something, it's a that's great, nice. solid idea, very solid idea. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And it's nice to see these sort of things coming through the closure ecosystem as well, you know, um, so we don't have to go down to these low-level um, technologies. You know, you're doing great work there. We, I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, thanks. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that, as you said, you know, initially when, when the language shows up, there are libraries that is the first thing that you know that that people say okay these are the things that are lacking uh because you have the language but you can't you know you have to build everything yourself which is not really the a, a good beginner experience but closure being on jvm and javascript you know that problem is more or less offset because you can use a lot of libraries that are existing already and then the next problem is obviously the tooling you know how can people use um a different kind of tools to get started and also debug and then when you're working in the code, you need to have these these quote unquote professional tools to to, yeah. to deal with it. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, Clojure has always been like a wishy washy, like you know, uh, if you if you have a Printel and why do you need? You have REPL, so you don't need anything. So <laughs> yeah. this kind of bullshit is always there on Twitter by somebody we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the um, REPL is an amazing thing, like one of the biggest yeah, yeah. pros in, in Clojure, and I, and I think it's there's also room for a lot of uh, improvement there and i'm i'm glad like uh, mm -hmm. uh like the projects like reveal are trying to yeah. like rethink what's repl i mean the 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 um what else they can add to repls and uh, yeah exactly yeah totally, yeah, yeah totally agree yeah but i think you know people like you who 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 worked on um uh worked on different types of closure projects and saw the the shortcomings and then building tools for it and then you know encouraging community to view these tools in a different way and then build these things um that is something you know it's really appreciated right in in, in the community mm. and because this these kind of uh things come only from experience because yeah. you know if you if, if you're starting with a programming language you're mm. not going to mm. think about okay what kind of debugging i would need here yeah mm. you know that 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 only comes after you have gone through enough pain of debugging different projects <laughs> yeah yeah and then you you extract the 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 experience into into tools so that's what that, that's what i think you know the, it's mm -hmm. it's really valuable the kind of things that you're putting out there um so keep doing great work and then you know i'm pretty sure Thank you. the people who are who are listening to this you know check out uh, flowstorm on uh, on juan's um, on github we'll link it link to it or we'll tweet about it as well uh, mm. take a look at it and thanks a lot juan and for joining uh, all the way from the other side of the world. <laughs> okay, thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And, and that's it from us for this episode. We'll maybe see you this year or maybe next year. Who knows? Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of DefN. And the awesome vegetarian music of the track is Melon Hamburger by Pizzeri. And the show's audio is mixed by Walter Dillert. I'm pretty sure I butchered his name. 
Um, maybe you should insert your own name here, Dalit. Vote there. If you'd like to support us, uh, please do check out our Patreon page and you can show your appreciation to all the hard work or the lack of hard work that we're doing. And um, you can also catch up with uh, either Ray with me for some unexplainable reason. Uh, you want to interact with us, then uh, do check us out on Slack, Closure and Slack or Closureverse or on Zulip or just at us at Deafen Podcast on Twitter. Enjoy your day and see you in the next episode.